0: This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus.
1: It's a powerful story with an even more powerful meaning. In today's lesson, we're going to learn how to calm the storm, not just on the Sea of Galilee, but also in our own lives. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. Friends, this is the last lesson for Part 1. The very next lesson, which is the beginning of Matthew chapter 15, will be Part 2. We simply broke up the Gospel of Matthew because it's so long and so rich and so wonderful that we didn't want to, shall we say, have a series that had too many programs all at once. So don't worry, very next program, you're going to hear the next lesson, and that'll be from Matthew chapter 15. It'll be lesson one, not lesson 56, but it will still be the same glorious gospel with a high view of scripture and with allowing the Holy Spirit to help quicken to us what he wants us to learn about Jesus. This lesson is called the calming of the storm. Matthew 14 Verses 23 to 36. It's a great story. It's one that I always recount when we do a cruise on the Lake of Galilee in one of our tours. I tell this story. It's usually done when the boat is stopped right on the lake. You can't even hear the motor run. And we just sit there and float. And then I read this story. And without any kind of hype whatsoever, the Holy Spirit begins to just minister to people's hearts and a lot of us do business. On one occasion, I actually encourage people to take the burdens they had, burdens they had brought from Australia or from Southeast Asia or wherever they're from, and cast those burdens in the Lake of Galilee. And people have done precisely that. So let's learn more about this amazing story. Again, it's Matthew fourteen twenty-three to 36. The lesson's called Calming the Storm, and I want to read the first three verses of this 14-verse lesson. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. We'll stop right there. You not only have in these verses a major problem, certainly beyond the control of any earthly person, any potentate, any government. This is the call of nature. And the call of nature means that nature is going to wreak havoc unless something is done. But who can control nature? We're going to learn that one can control nature, the very one that created nature to begin with. And, of course, that's Almighty God himself. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And as I often share, if you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. Whatever God would think, say, or do in a given situation, that's what Jesus does. The mirror image, undeniable. Jesus, Son of God, reflects the image of God better than anybody else could ever possibly do. So Jesus has authority, as we're going to discover, over the elements of nature. And because he has all authority in heaven and earth, that's why we are able to go preach the gospel and to do so authoritatively with the authority that he himself has. So Jesus, after feeding the 5,000, goes to the place to pray. His disciples are on the boat going somewhere else. They are now caught in the midst of a storm. And it's nighttime, so it, it makes it even more perilous because they can't even see properly due to the storm. And it's pretty late in the night when they finally catch sight of Jesus. So they're not only terrified, but they're also tired as well. And they're really disturbed to see Jesus coming. They don't recognize him. They think it's a ghost. They think ghosts come there to haunt them, but no, no. It is Jesus, and he very much affirms his presence. Peter then, being impetuous, but a good man, wants to venture out on the water, and he does. And then, after a point, he starts sinking in the water. Jesus rescues him. Jesus gets in the boat, rebukes the wind. He is declared the Son of God. He goes to the land of Gennesaret, and the healings continue to flow. Now it's time to look at the entire portion. From Matthew chapter 14, verses 23 to 36. Our lesson is called Calming of the Storm. And again, the reference is Matthew fourteen twenty-three to 36. And When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went up. Unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about, and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 23 to 36, and our lesson is called Calming the Storm. Friend, whether it's a storm on a lake, the ocean, or in one's own heart, the solution is always the same. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And he provides a peace that is so big, so powerful, overriding every kind of turmoil that life can dish out. And it is so priceless. You could never pay for it. It's beyond calculation. And he tells us, as such, in John 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's John fourteen twenty seven. Bear in mind that God's peace is different to man's, because God's peace is permanent man's is temporary. God gives peace in full. Man only gives peace in part. God gives peace freely. With human peace, there can be a price, often. So Jesus, the Prince of Peace, knows how to calm every storm in life, whether it's external or internal. First of all, let's begin with Matthew fourteen twenty-three. It's time to pray. The disciples are in the ship The multitudes have been fed and now are going away. Jesus has just performed one of his most impressive miracles, the feeding of 5,000. 5,000 men, that is, not counting the others, the women and the children. Now that it was over, it's time to pray. He does this at night on the mountaintop. It says in verse 24 of Matthew 14, Tossed with waves. Back to the disciples. They're in the ship. It's the middle of the lake. There's a storm with a strong wind. This was not expected, and it's troubling them greatly. But then it goes on hour after hour after hour through the middle of the night. What are they going to do? And, you know, it's not getting any better. In fact, the storm is getting worse. So they probably would be tempted to go desperate and scream out with fear. Well, they do scream out, but not because of the waves, but because of who's coming to rescue them. In Matthew fourteen twenty-five, it tells us, most likely in the period from 3 to 6 a.m., because it's called the fourth watch of the night, 3 to 6 a.m. That means they were out on the lake all night, while sailing at night may have been possible, because, for example, in Luke 5, it says that they, the disciples as fishermen, toiled all night and caught nothing. So being out on the ship at night wasn't the issue. The issue was it was troublesome to be out at night during a strong storm because you can't see anything. And what you can't see makes you very, very nervous indeed. At this fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Always remember God promises to be with us in trouble. We who have obeyed his call, accepted his gospel, following him with a whole heart. Yes, it says that in Psalm 91, verse 15. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. And now this wonderful promise from Psalm 91, verse 15, is coming to pass. God says, I will be with you in trouble. That's why Jesus is coming to his disciples. He wants to be with them in trouble. And he wants to deliver them and bless them and honor them. Therefore, Jesus comes on the water, walking towards them. But when the disciples saw him, they were not comforted. In fact, they thought they had seen a ghost. And they screamed out in terror. But the good news is, Matthew fourteen twenty-seven. immediately Jesus, still on the water, says to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. God does not want his people to be afraid of anything or anyone. For followers of Jesus, we are blessed both with his words and his presence. We get both. And that's the double portion. So, after duly recognizing that it is Jesus, Peter, being Peter, wants to step out of his comfort zone. In Matthew 14:28, his immediate response to Jesus's words that it is I be not afraid is that he says, "Lord, if it be you, invite me to come to you on the water." What does Jesus do? He just beckons to Peter, "It's fine. You can come to me." Verse 29. You see, when you want to draw near to God, be sure that he will draw close to you. That's the promise of James chapter 4 and verse 8. So impulsive, gung-ho Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water towards Jesus. Now, please note, first of all, he has a desire to be on the water. Well, actually, he has a desire to experience walking on the water. And I suppose he had a desire to get closer to Jesus. Jesus was to him a rock. In fact, he's a rock to all of us. He is unshakable, he's unmovable, he's solid, he's stable. You can count on him. He will not let you down. So having the presence of Jesus and the experience of walking on water proved to be very attractive to Peter. As long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he always stayed above the waters. However, this is going to change radically. In verse 30 of Matthew 14, circumstances get in the way between Jesus and Peter. And you know what? They don't just get in the way for Peter. Circumstances come between us and Jesus as part of our human experience. The world, the cares of the world, the lusts and seductions of the world, all these things try to crowd in between us and the Lord and pull us aside. And basically not just pull us aside, but to drag us down like the millstone around the neck. Peter became circumstance conscious, as everybody in the flesh. That was his big mistake. Instead of keeping his eyes on the Lord, and thereby staying afloat, he looked at the boisterous winds, and became afraid. Or actually, he heard them, and saw the effects of the winds, because of course you can't see wind, but you can see what it does. Then, once he saw The adverse circumstances, fear set in to his heart, and guess what? Peter began to sink. His natural response was to cry out for help. Lord, save me. Well, Jesus is the Savior, and he does a wonderful job. In Matthew 14.31, had Peter stayed afloat, he would have commended, or been commended. Yet since he caved in to walking by sight and not by faith, walking in fear and all the rest of it, he earned a stiff rebuke. He is called a man of little faith. Why did you doubt? You see, it only takes a little bit of faith, a mustard seed's worth, to make mountains move. In Peter's case, he had no excuse for doubting. He had just seen the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Has he not realized that God is with him and for him? Therefore, nothing and no one can be against him. Why did he doubt? The answer is obvious. He doubted because he was more mindful of earthly circumstances than of the ways of Jesus. There was no excuse, because Peter had experienced miracle after miracle. Well, the wind does cease, thank God. In Matthew 14.32, as soon as Peter and Jesus came into the ship, the wind stopped. Jesus also is very adept at telling it to stop. This cessation of the wind caused immediate worship. Worship of Jesus as Son of God. Matthew 14.33, the miracles keep piling up. This last one, on top of all the others, finally made the disciples turn to Jesus, worship him, and they proclaimed this statement. Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. What further proof did they need to his true, full identity? Storm is calmed, and this is what I always urge people. As soon as you have Jesus in your boat, in your head, in your home, in your heart, then you don't have a storm anymore. You don't have a problem anymore. You shouldn't even have a care anymore because the solution is within. It's the Lord Jesus. And I say the same to you now, friends, whoever you may be, whatever storm you're facing, just open the door. Let the King of glory come in because as soon as he comes in, the worries, the troubles, the fears go out. They don't cohabitate in the same person. Jesus is the Son of God He is the Prince of Peace. And then, Matthew 14, 34 and 35, the land of Gennesaret. Possibly the fertile plain between Mount Arbel and, as it were, Magdala, and then also the Mount of Beatitudes. So Mount of Beatitudes is the north, Magdala is the south, and you have this plain. That's very possibly what it was about. It was on the northwest shore of the lake. It's subtropical. And you can grow all kinds of fruit, so the land of Gennesaret became the stage where another multitude gathered. Once people heard that he had arrived, the news spread everywhere, and they brought to Jesus all who were diseased. This sounds like a repeat of what we had already. And then, of course, the final verse, Matthew fourteen thirty-six. The people pleaded with Jesus. They knew he was busy. They knew he was thronged by many. They didn't expect to have a personal audience, a deep and meaningful one-on-one with the master. That's impossible. They might not even get personal attention to have his hand laid on them. All they wanted was to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. If they could just get close enough to him to touch his clothes, they knew that they would be perfectly whole. And that would be fine. So the people plead with him to touch the hem of his garment. And it says here, as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Well, friends, the good news, even though Jesus is at the right hand of God, he's as close to you as you want him to be. He's as close to you as you're willing to get close to him. Reach out and touch the Lord, for he is truly passing by. Our lesson is entitled, Calming the Storm. And our lesson for life, if you get your eyes on the world, you sink. But if you keep them on God, you'll always stay above the water. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. Also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, helping you to become future-ready with articles from the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee and also calming the storms of our heart. And for all that are hearing this prayer, may they reach out to Jesus right now. And I speak peace. I speak blessing. I speak deliverance. I speak every good and perfect gift upon them through Jesus' mighty name. Amen.